hey, let's get right into it. We are in, um, I don't know what week it is in the series total. It's like week 10. Yeah, it's week 10 total, and it's week 2 in this uh, sub-series that we're doing here. And so um, we're excited about it. So we talked about the first month, we talked about how Jesus is God, how that's important. Second month, we talked about how Jesus uh, came to us as a human and how that's important. And now we're talking about uh, the ministry of Jesus. What did Jesus do? So last week we talked about what he taught. And this week we're going to talk about miracles. Everybody say miracles. Jesus performed lots of miracles, and we're going to see why that's important to us, what it means, all that good stuff. Sounds good? Um, so you might be thinking to yourself, though, didn't hey, you said, hey, Brett, uh, remember that one time when, uh, when you caught COVID and stuff and we were on uh, Echo Live? Didn't you talk about miracles then? And the answer is, uh, yes, we did. Uh, but that was when we were talking about the kind of proof that Jesus was God, and so it was kind of a different angle at the topic of miracles. And so this uh, week we want to talk about miracles just purely because uh, of Jesus found obviously miracles important and, and God has through all of eternity. And so why are they important? Uh, what do they mean for us? And, uh, and what do they, what are they maybe trying to tell us? Okay. And uh, there's more here and there's plenty of miracles to go around. So we'll, we're going to keep talking about them. Is that cool? So let's start off here. Now, uh, what are miracles? Does anybody have a definition that you think a miracle is, yes. That's pretty good. I like that. Yes. Out of the ordinary? Yes. Like a three-legged dog? Yes. Things that seem impossible but to happen, but somehow happen. All right. I like that. I like that. Anybody else? All right, all right, I like it. Okay, so here's, here's the definition from my computer, from Google. Okay, Google says, uh, the all-knowing Google says, uh, the definition of a miracle, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. So even in, it's kind of interesting, even in the like secular definition of a miracle there's no real other explanation than god it says at the end therefore is considered to be the work of a divine agency so it's not just saying it doesn't just say something that is outside of science something that's outside of the natural it says something that's so outside of the natural and outside of science that it has to be god which is pretty cool so google believes in god um (laughs) so so the next question i want to ask you what's the purpose of a miracle Anybody know what you think the purpose of a miracle is? I don't know that I have an answer yet, but I, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw it out there. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Anybody else? I'll take one more. I'll take no more. Cool. Uh, so, so what is the purpose of a miracle? Why would Jesus perform them, and why do we long for them? Anybody ever long for a miracle? Like, oh God, can you just do a miracle right now? Can you just do, right? When we're praying, like a family member is sick or, or we're really nervous about a test or we're really hoping, we're, you know, once you're an adult and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. You're really hoping for something to come through, right? And you're hoping for a miracle. You're longing for a miracle. You're hoping that something out of the natural happens 
to move into your situation and change it, right? And so, so what's the purpose of miracle? Why, do, why does Jesus perform them? Why do we long for them? And I think it's because they confirm that deep down desire that every human has for there to be a God. If you think about it, you can go ahead and pick that up because it's going to distract literally everybody. So grab it. There you go. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> it just like rolls and he watches it. <laughs> okay. So, so I think the purpose of miracles is that in, in different moments of time, God confirms in our soul that there, the thing that we always long for, that there is a God, right? And it's like you see something amazing. Like those of you that were at summer camp, we, we saw miracles before our our eyes, right? Things that were happening and people that were getting healed and touched. And, and when we saw that, it's like our soul leapt a little bit because it's like, wait, 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 wait. It's true. I, I, I've read the Bible. I've come to church. I've, I've felt God's presence. But when, when, I, when I see and I experience a miracle, like it's like, it's true. That's why like we oftentimes go on YouTube and sometimes we like see like, like weird, like supernatural, like outside of this world things, you're like, oh, it's God, you know, like, like fires this up, it's like, because he's real, he's real, you know what I mean, but, I, so I've been a big fan of uh, uh, philosophy for, for a pretty long time, and there's this philosophical concept that I've heard uh, many times, but recently I heard it when I was reading this, um, I think it was a message by C.S. Lewis, and he kind of alluded to it, but, uh, and, I've, and I think I've brought it up um, in here before, so bear with me if you've heard this before, but um, it's kind of called the evidence of food, and so, walk with me through this scenario, if you will. Anybody ever seen Men in Black, the movie? Okay, so there's this thing they do, like, psh, like flashes, and you lose all your memory of, like, the last, you know, little while or whatever. So let's say the people from Men in Black come and psh, blank your mind out for your whole life. So you don't remember anything. You don't even remember living. And, and then they drop you in the middle of the ocean on this life raft, and you're just, so, so for you, essentially, life starts in the middle of the ocean on a life raft. But you're like, you know, 16, 17, however old you are, 12, whatever. So you're sitting there in the middle of the ocean. You don't remember anything. You don't remember uh, life. You don't remember that you ne- need food. You don't remember that you like pancakes. You don't remember that you went to school at some point. You're just in the middle of the ocean trying to figure out what's going on, right? You don't remember how to walk or anything. But here's the thing. After like a few hours, something's going to happen to you, and you're going to become hungry, whether you know food is real or not, you're going to become hungry. It's just a natural response of your body. So your stomach's going to growl. You're going to feel like, I need something to fix this. And so what happens is, whether you know food is real or not, your body longs for it, therefore making it real. Does that make sense? So if you had no clue that food was real, you would know it was real because you're hungry. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? So even though you don't know what food is, you know you need it. The human soul longs for God in a similar way. It just does. You see, like, all civilizations in the world, I'm pretty sure almost everyone. I've never met, um, let me put it this way, I've never met an atheist that didn't know first about God. So to be an atheist, you're, you're deciding to reject the idea of God. But even the most primitive civilizations worship something. It's like this really nice shiny rock they found in the forest and they worship it like it's a god. So the question I have is why does every civilization, even the most primitive ones, decide to worship something? I think it's because in the same way that our body would hunger for food even if we didn't know what it is, our soul longs for God even if we don't know who he is. 
So when miracles happen and when heaven meets earth, our soul leaps while it thinks it's true. There is a God. It's like if we were hungry out in the middle of the ocean and, and a banana fell out of the sky and landed in our little lifeboat. We're like, oh, cool. And we eat it and we're like, oh, it's real food. Like, it, it's good. Or a double-double falls out of the sky or animal fries splat everywhere. That'd actually be disgusting. An upside-down blizzard from Dairy Queen because it doesn't fall out. It comes all the way but we think, man, it's real. And it's the same thing with miracles, right? Our, our body, has, our soul has been longing for God our whole life. And so we come to church and we figure out, oh, this is it. This is the hole that I needed filling. And when, when a miracle happens, our soul leaps and like, see, I told you. It's real. So now, now we, we know of many miracles that happened maybe in our lives or um, that we've read in the Bible. And let me, let me list off a few that we, we see Jesus, miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible. And uh, you know, probably know most of these. So Jesus turns water into wine. Everybody remember that? He's at a, he's, uh, I'm burping. He's, uh, he's at a wedding, and they run out of wine, and his mom's like, make some wine and, uh, or fix this. And he's like, yo, what? Okay, fine. And he's like, pour some water in this, and then boom, wine. <laughs> it's a cool party trick. So, um, and then we have Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, these huge events where Jesus just takes some fish and, and some bread, and he breaks it and breaks it and breaks it and keeps breaking. Everyone's, it's like a magic trick. They're all watching. Okay, do it again. What? Okay, do it again. <laughs> right? It's like, you ever seen someone do a magic trick, and you're like, how do you do that? And they're like, okay, look, look, look. And it's like, what? It's like Jesus doing that with bread. Okay, look. One piece of bread, right? What? And the one piece goes back to one. What? Okay, ready? Here. What? <laughs> it was like, how are you doing this? Right? So he feeds all these, all these people, and then there's the other. There's another one that the woman who has the issue of blood. She she has been hearing about Jesus, and she figures that if I just touch Jesus' clothes, I'll be healed. Imagine that kind of faith, where if I just touch Jesus's hoodie, like I'll be, I'll be healed. That's some that's some drip right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Jesus, so icy. You touch his clothes, you get healed. But uh, just kidding. So. Uh, or the or the one um, where Jesus heals the leper, and this was a huge deal because a, a, a leper was someone who had leprosy, and they were deemed unclean because it's a very contagious um, kind of disease where it would like eat away at your skin. And so this this leper comes to Jesus and say like, "Will you heal me?" And Jesus touches him, and say yes, and he's restored. And it's like it was a big deal because it, it's it's like it's like today how. Remember when, like, COVID first started off and we, we, we didn't quite know what it was, and so we're all trying to keep everybody away. Like, I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to die and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's all like that. And Jesus, would, Jesus was the type of guy who would have just been going to everybody and be like, do you have COVID? Here, let me pray for you. Boom, get healed. You know, it's like, it's like this, like, big, incredible thing, right? And it was even worse than that. Leprosy was crazy. It's just, you'd get, you get it on your skin, and then it just starts eating you away, like piece by piece. It's disgusting. And Jesus would go, and he'd touch people and say, be healed. It's crazy. Remember the one where the friends cut the hole in the roof, and, and uh, they dropped the homie in, and he's like, all right, get up and walk, right? But before that, he said, you know, your sins are forgiven, and everyone's like, what, you know? Just making sure no one's cutting a hole in our roof right now. <laughs> Do you imagine that, like in youth group, just like, some kid falls through the roof? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> 
not as graceful. Oh, I thought it was like, I thought you had like nine foot ceilings. You know, so boom, kid falls through. Um, <laughs> that's actually a really funny thought. I'm not going to go there, though. Like, they lowered him down, you know, to, like, get healed by Jesus. He was already paralyzed. They probably could have just dropped him. But anyways, okay. That's terrible. That's terrible. All right, all right. <laughs> Can we cut that part out of the podcast? All right. I'm, so- I'm sorry. That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. Remember, uh, remember the one where Jesus calms the storm with the disciples? They're in the boat, and the boat's turned sideways. Jesus was supposed to be steering the boat, and, and he's not doing his job. And they get all sideways, and the water's coming in, and, and they're like, Jesus, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, calms the storm. Or remember the one when Jesus walks on water? Anybody ever heard that song? This is how you walk, how you walk on water, one foot in front of the other. Ever heard that? Oh, it's sick. That's sick. What's the band? Is Elevation Rhythm or something? Elevation Rhythm? It's called Walk on Water. Look it up. It's good. Um, or the one where Jesus provides more fish than the, the boat can even handle when they're out all day and they couldn't fa- catch any fish. And he's like, hey, just throw it on the other side. And they're like, dude, we, were just, we just did that. And then he's like, we'll do it again. And then they have all these fish. Jesus casts demons out of tormented people and throws demons into pigs and they jump off cliffs and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, the Bible is wild, okay? Um, Jesus heals blind people with really unorthodox methods, like spitting in mud and throwing it on people's faces and they get healed. Jesus heals uh, the mute man, someone who couldn't talk. He heals him, he speaks. Jesus healed the man with a withered hand. He healed his strong hand, you know. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, uh, but Jesus healed the man with a withered hand. Uh, I, I'm praying that Jesus can do the same thing uh, for Russell Wilson uh, right now, the quarterback of the Seahawks, because he broke his. Amen. Right? Because he broke his, he broke his finger, and it's like it's called a mallet finger, where there's a tendon that is on the top of your finger right here, and they ripped it. So then his finger, the top of his finger, like this, is just hanging like this, like. And he can't get it straight. So I'm praying that Jesus just heals that withered hand. You know what I mean? Huh? Yeah, they do. Okay. Uh, Lord Jesus, touch Russell Wilson in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, Jesus brings the little girl back to life. Uh, she was... Um, she was dead. He goes in there and he's like, guys, she's just sleeping. Everyone's like, well, she's for sure dead. And then he's like, get up. You know, she gets up. And then Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave four days late. And uh, I've, I've preached about that too. So these are a bunch of miracles. Everybody know some miracles that Jesus performed, right? We know of miracles even in the Old Testament, like the parting of the Red Sea, all that kind of stuff. Now these are all wonderful. And, uh, and I encourage you to read them all. Um, but I want to land on just one miracle tonight. I think will help us understand uh, even the whole point of this series, but I think it will understand why, why Jesus does what he does, why Jesus teaches the way he teaches, why Jesus performs miracles, why Jesus interacts with us the way he does. And so, if you will, open your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 8. Um, and I just want to say, if any of you students in here don't have a Bible, like you don't own one, we have uh, plenty of Bibles in the back. And so even right now, if you want a Bible, you can raise your hand, we'll get you a Bible, and it will be yours to keep. Um, but we just want to make that available. Uh, but Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. We're going to go 5 through 13. Give me a uh-huh if you're there. Okay, all right. 
All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We just sounded like a petting zoo right there. Everyone's like, <laughs> okay. Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 13. Here we go. The faith of a centurion. Verse, verse uh, 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, him being Jesus. Appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. That was easy. <laughs> the centurion's like, yo, my, my servant is paralyzed. He's suffering terribly. And Jesus is like, cool, I'll come heal him. <laughs> it's the easiest, like, ask ever. Uh, but the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I, too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So let me recap this real quick. So, so this guy tells Jesus that my servant is, is sick, and he's paralyzed, and he's not doing good. Can you heal him? And Jesus says, I'll go heal him. And then... The centurion says, you know what, you, no, you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word because I understand how authority works. And this blows my mind that the, a centurion understands Jesus probably better than any of the 12 disciples at this point. Um, and, and also the centurion understands the time uh, or the era, really, where if Jesus were to go to this centurion's home, a non-Jew, uh, a Gentile, if you will, then he would have, Jesus would have had to go to the temple to be cleansed because uh, Gentiles have cooties. And so um, that's what they believed back in the day, essentially, is, is so it was unclean, so he had to do that. So to save Jesus' time of the journey and save Jesus' time of the cleansing, even though I don't know if Jesus would have done it, but um, he says, no, no, you don't even have to come to my house, just say the word. And so Jesus says, I, I've never, I haven't seen such faith like this. While being here on earth. Not even in Israel. The place that's supposed to be God's chosen people. And so he says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out uh, into the outer darkness. In that place... There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed in that very moment. So I I don't know how, but this centurion, for some reason, knew exactly who Jesus was. And he knew and he trusted Jesus' authority and sovereignty. And I don't know, maybe it was more that he hoped it was true than trusted that it was true. But I, I don't know. But he came in, guns a-blazing, and said, Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And I don't know that, like I said, I don't know that any of the disciples or even anybody that interacted with Jesus would have believed that much. They would have been like, yeah, yeah, come on down. <laughs> you know, Come on, Jesus. You know, like. But he was like, no, you don't even have to come. Just, just say the word. The centurion understood that who he was speaking to had spoken the world into existence. And so surely he can speak healing into existence 
over his servant. And it's still, reading this, it still blows my mind. I don't know how the centurion knew this so well. I don't, I don't know how he was just like, no, you know what, you can, you can just say the word and it's going to happen. But he somehow knew that he was speaking to the word. He was speaking to the word that was spoken that there became light and there became darkness and there was, there was water and the air and the trees and the, and the rivers and the atmosphere and stars and all these types of things. He knew that the person he was looking at was the, was the very word that spoke that into existence. So he said, if you just say the word, it'll happen. So he said, say the word. So this is all great, and you're thinking like, wow, that's a really cool story, Brett. That's, that's really impactful for my life, thanks, you know. <laughs> uh, but like, what's the takeaway, you know? How does this, you might be thinking, Brett, how is this story relevant to me? Because, um, because I'm not the centurion, I don't have a servant, thank God, and <laughs> my servant's not paralyzed, and I'm not going to say, Jesus, just say the word, it's going to happen. How is this relevant to me? And the answer is that knowing who Jesus really is, sets your faith on fire. If you know who Jesus really is, you have the faith of the centurion. And like I said, I have no clue how the centurion has had more faith than probably anybody Jesus had met at this point. But he did. And, and had so much faith that he just said, Jesus, you just say the word, it's going to happen. And, and it's, not even like, it's not even like this. I bet you the centurion didn't even have to go home to know that his servant was healed. He probably went on to do other things that he had to be done and then got home. He's like, oh, yeah, I knew you're... You're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he didn't rush. I don't think he ra- rushed home to be like, oh, it, did it work? <laughs> you know? It's like you like press a, press a button and then you run around the corner. Did it work? You know? I just think he knew. Because he knew who Jesus really was. And so his faith was set ablaze. The centurion knew who Jesus was and what he could do. And it set his faith ablaze, and he couldn't contain it. And that's the whole point of this series. That's the whole, that's the whole point of doing this whole couple of months on who is Jesus, right? Because I believe for each and every one of you, if you find out who Jesus is, if you discover who Jesus is and who he is really, you'll have the faith like a centurion to say like, Jesus, you don't even need to, I don't don't even need to lay hands on someone for them to be healed. I'll just say the word and they'll be healed. I heard of someone over in New York City who needs healing. Jesus, right now. You know what I mean? Like if we could have faith like that, we can move the mountains. If we can discover who Jesus is and what he can do in our lives, our faith will catch fire and no one can put it out. And here's the thing. There's miracles all around us. God still performs them. If you're at summer camp year, this year, like I said, you saw people's lives being changed from the inside out. I saw, and, and, and I just want to, and this isn't a bad thing necessarily, but I want to give an example. I think it was the first, the first night of camp. Who, raise your hand if you were at camp. Okay, so the first night of camp, I don't know if any of you noticed, but there was probably, no joke, like 30 students that were either outside or in the very back of the sanctuary. And some even of our own students, uh, some of you in this room. And, and when I went back and I asked, started asking people, what's going on? How, you know, why, why are you way back here? And the common answer I had the whole time was that I, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm struggling. And so, you know, I prayed about that, and I was like, okay, well, you know, 
and that kind of, you know, that's going to suck. If that's like the all the whole camp, like you get an anxiety attack during worship. Like this, this worship's so life-changing. You know, how can we fix this? And so I, I went to, you know, I'm not the pastor of all the students that were there. And so I, I went to some of our students and I, and I, and I kind of, and I kind of pushed some of them and you guys know who you are, um, who I was talking to, but I, I just said, you know, what? I, I don't know that, I don't know that you're anxious. I think the Holy Spirit is overwhelming, like really overwhelming right now. And I was like, maybe if we just like press into it, it might, it might cease. And those same students that were in the back just struggling with what was going on were the same students that by night two, three were in the front praying over other students. <laughs> right? That's a miracle to me. And, and, and the, the fact of the matter is if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. And so people ask all the time, why doesn't, God, why doesn't God perform miracles today? He does. You're just not looking for it. And you're just attributing everything in the, to, to science and to all these different, oh, that's probably just this. Oh, it's probably, you know, we're all thinking about how to, how to discredit God. But you know what? It's like there were people that were sitting there having anxiety attacks, you know, just overwhelmed, right? And, and, we, and we prayed and we said, you know what? Let's just press into it. Maybe we're just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and we walk into it. And now those same students who are in the back, even outside, not even willing to come inside, we're in the front praying over other students. That's a miracle, if, if, if you ask me. Right, and there was, the, there was that one day we were supposed to do breakout sessions, and when we ended up going and just praying over students, and people were getting healed of all sorts of crazy stuff. And so, you, and, and so I'm sure there was even students who were sitting there watching people get healed before their very eyes, and be like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm sure. It's like, well, not a big deal. I, mean, I don't know, sprained ankle, I'm so sure, whatever. You know, just sitting there like, yeah, whatever. That's not God, right? But there was, uh, I'm trying to remember some of them, but there was um, Pastor Matt who, when he had COVID, lost his taste, and he still hadn't gotten it back yet. And he's, if you know Pastor Matt, he's a big dude, and he likes food. He'll tell you himself. And so he's, he made him upset. He's like, I, I can't taste anything. And and that day, we, we prayed over him that he would get his taste back, and he pops an Altoid, and he starts, I've never seen, uh, that big of a man danced like that in my entire life. He's like, you know what I mean? He was, he was getting down Why? because he could taste. And, and I'm sure there's still people in the room that are like, ah, you know, Altoids are pretty strong, so. <laughs> I'm not forgetting anybody. Don't worry. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that if you want to see God work in your life, all you have to do is open your eyes. Because he's moving and he's doing things. And, and, and we, we got to start again where we, we're just giving the credit to God at all times. Like God works in your life. You know, who's ever like never, you didn't study for the test. You knew it was going to be super hard and somehow you came out with a B. You're like, what? You're like, there's no way. Like, I didn't even know I was in this class. <laughs> like, you know, like walked, I was walking in with my friend, and they said there's a test today. Is a test for what? We've all been there. We've also all been there where we got what we deserved. We didn't study. We got an F. But it's like there's those times where, where it's like I, I, don't, I don't know how. I didn't pay attention in class. I didn't study at all. I didn't even know there was a test, and somehow I made it out with a B. What, what is going on? And maybe maybe. Maybe God worked in that situation for you. Maybe God knew that you needed that, that grade to just get your hopes up a little bit, get your spirits up a little bit. 
So I'd say pay attention and, and look for God's faithfulness in his work. Then our souls will leap at the affirmation of what we've longed for our whole lives. There's God, God's doing miracles day after day after day. And you'll see me, sometimes you probably see me, especially at camp or other places, you see me get really emotional. Like Pastor Brett's in the back of the worship center just weeping. And you're like, what's wrong with that guy, you know? And it's just little things that I see that just, it was like when all the, all the students that were in the back and they're in the front. And I'm just bawling my eyes out, right? It's like when, 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 when Ken decided that he was going to go up and, and pray. And he started just, and he just had the faith and said, who needs to get saved tonight? Right? And he just started praying. I was bawling like a baby. And everyone's like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not okay. You know, it's like, that's Ken, man, you know? You know, it's like th- there's these different things that make, make our, our souls just leap. It's like when, when I, me and Caleb FaceTime Cole and, and uh, we were at Chipotle and we we're like, hey, Cole. And I didn't even know Cole, but I was just like, yo, Cole, you want to come to camp? And he's like, when is it? And we told him, he's like, all right, bet. And I was like, that was easy. And like <laughs> Caleb and I just were FaceTiming people. You want to come to camp? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, and so we're like just calling everybody. We called him and then I never even met him until he got on the bus and we show up and, and, and. And I was like, I was like, is, I, I was asking the people at 94, is, is Cole a Christian? Like, does he, has he ever gone to church before? And they're like, I, I don't really know. I was like, okay, well, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. I was like, we'll see what happens. I was like, does he, does he, does he like, like God? Does he like church? Is this good? Does he know what he's getting into? And everyone's like, I have no clue. I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, I was like, hopefully, you know, it won't be too crazy. We won't, you know, it's not gonna be too like spirit filled because he's new, you know, and then we're just like healing people on the spot. I was like, is Cole okay? Everybody, where's Cole? You know, where's Cole? Is he still here? You're right. And I look over, I look over and, and, and Cole's, and Cole's, you know, worshiping, right? And Cole's putting his hands on people when, when we're praying over people. I was like, <laughs> bawling my eyes out. What is going on? You know, and you just see things like that. It's just like, it's like I've seen in Andres. Andres is, you know, for a while, he's, you know, very shy and very unsure of himself. And we've had, we'd hang out a lot and we've had talks and he's just, you know, and then, and then I remember at camp there was a word spoken over him that he, that he was going to be a conqueror, right? That he was courageous. And ever since he's just like, what's up? You know, I'm good. You know, it's like, it's like, what? It's like, ah, you know, Andres, you know. But I just see God moving in each and every one of you. Like Shabel, you know. She knew, she knew. She knew I was going to say it, but a couple of years ago, she, she, I met, one of our youth leaders was uh, uh, in, in like a kids ministry thing, and and asked Shelby, Shelby, how about, how come you don't go to youth? She goes, you know, it's not really my thing. I and I and I, I uh, and I noticed she hadn't, you know, she hadn't come for a while, and she like came a little bit when I when Danielle and I first took over as youth pastors, and I think she came to fall retreat. Um. Yeah, you're 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 in the pictures. Uh, so uh, so, but anyways, somewhere along the line, it just kind of didn't, you know. She's like, it's not really my thing, and and uh, and I think it was Matt Wish, and he was like, well, you know, maybe you should try it out or whatever. And then we just like kind of forced her literally to go to camp, and then I don't know that she's really missed since outside of you know soccer or other things that have come up. And now she's serving on teams and and uh, and I, you know, I just see God moving in in incredible ways through each and every one of you. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like even Christina, you know, it's like I never even saw you for a long time. And you're rolling up every week now, rolling through, right? And it's like God's working in your life, and it's good. And, and I just made you super nervous, and it's okay. But God, God's working. God's moving. And I could, go all, I could go for another 45 minutes just talking about how God's moving in all of your lives. But I want you to see it too, right? Like, 
Oh, God doesn't do anything for me. What? Last year, you didn't even come here. Last year, your life was in shambles. It still might be in shambles, but you've got Jesus now. And you're here at youth group, and you've got friends, and you've got a family, and you've got people that are around. You know what I mean? Like, God is working immensely. I, I, you know, I got Michaela who came up to me at camp. I think I'm supposed to be on the worship team. Send it. You know what I mean? And now she's up here just like, you know, doing her thing. And it's like, okay. I, that was kind of dope, right? And, uh, and last week, Michaela comes up to me. She goes, hey, I think I wrote a song. I said, you did what? She's like, can you check out these lyrics? I wrote, the, I read the lyrics, and as I'm reading them, I'm like, you know, doing like the the man cry, you know, you know, reading it like this, like, come on, Brett, hold it together, like, sheesh, you know, it's written, I don't know if it was written in pencil, I didn't want to mess it up, you know, so I was like, you know, but the, they're just powerful lyrics, powerful lyrics, biblical lyrics too. I'm like, from a high school student, I was like, what is going on? And God, God's just doing amazing, amazing things. In each and every one of you. So I'll end with this. What's holding you back from following Jesus? Last week I asked a question, left it with you for the week. This week I'm going to ask another question. We're going to see what, where that goes. What's holding you back from following Jesus? And I'm not, I'm, not so, I'm not saying just like coming to church. What's holding you back from coming to church? You're here. I get that. I'm not saying what's holding you back from being a Christian, right? You believe in Jesus, cool. I'm saying what's holding you back from following him? And not following him from afar, not following him like you would follow someone on social media, like you know what he's doing. But like, like what, what, is, what is keeping you from walking stride and stride with Jesus? What, what's keeping you from when Jesus turns left, you turn left as well? What, what's keeping you from when Jesus ducks, you duck? You know what I mean? When Jesus jumps, you jump. Like actually following Jesus. Letting him take the lead or going where he goes, trusting him. What's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it your comfort zone? You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes it's just silly things. It's like, oh, I just don't, uh, I don't. And we don't even necessarily think this. We just Sometimes we just sleep all the way to noon and like, oh, man, I could have gotten some time with Jesus this morning, but I was a little bit too tired. You get home, you're like, man, I would really like to spend some time worshiping and praying. But all the homies are on Fortnite, so. You know, I don't want to miss the first dub of the night, you know, so I got to. You know what I mean? But, like, I'm, I'm being silly, but, like, it's really oftentimes dumb things that, that keep us from following Jesus. And if it's your comfort zone, I'll say this. I promise you that there's a miracle on the other side of your comfort zone. I promise. That's why Jesus did miracles in really weird ways. He spit in mud and threw it on some dude's face. You're like, what's going on? He's like, miracle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like Jesus is walking on water, and he tells Peter, hey, come, out, come walk with me. And he's like, what? Miracle. Right? You know what I mean? On the other side of, like, imagine you standing on the edge of a boat, and Jesus is like, go ahead, walk. And you're like, well, okay. <laughs> right? All these different things that Jesus does, you know, it's like turning water into wine. You know, Mary's like, Jesus, fix this. You know what he could have done? Just go and, gone and bought some more wine. <laughs> but he's like, nope. Grab all these barrels, fill them with water. Miracle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Jesus, you could have gone to the store and get some, got some more. Right? But, but G- the reason Jesus does this is because he wants us to step a little bit past our comfort zone. Okay, the parting of the Red Sea. Moses was a huge part of it. You know what he did? <laughs> if you think about that, God was, God was like, Moses, put your staff in, in, the, in the water. And, the, and it's going to part.
if you think about it, it's like, well, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, I, if that was me, I'd been like, what? couldn't you have just, like, you know what I mean? Like, couldn't you have just done it? But, but God wants us to, God wants to, two things. God wants to partner with us in the miracle. Even if we don't do a whole bunch, he wants us to step out in faith and, and do it with him. And the other thing is God wants us to go past our comfort zone to get there. Imagine having thousands of people, a whole nation behind you, and you're, and you're, you're on the edge of, of this massive body of water, and you're telling them, we're going to go this way. And they're like, what? We don't have a boat. Yeah, I know. And then, and then imagine all these beating eyes behind your head, and you have this staff, and you're like, I hope this works, you know? And you're just like, and you're like, let's go! You're like, right, you know? But that's how it often is in our lives is we feel the beating eyes of all the people around us, of our, our, our classmates, our families. And God's asked you to step outside of your comfort zone, and it's just the littlest task. But you're like, man, if I screw this up, it's going to look so bad. But God's like, just do it. Just step out. Just, it's just a little bit. It, all you got to do is put the staff in the water, and I'll do the rest, right? And we, we get so nervous because everyone's looking at us. But if we would step out in just a little bit of faith and just do it, God will move in our lives. Amen? So be brave. Follow Jesus like your life depends on it, because it does. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's pray. That's all I got for tonight. Jesus, we love you. God, we worship you. We thank you so much that you are a miracle, wonder-working God. God, that you, you move still today. God, that you still are, are interacting and interceding on our behalf. God, that you do things that blow our minds just so that our souls can leap and say, God, oh, it's real. It's you. So God, help us to long for you. Help us to follow you. All the days of our life, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name and echo youth. Everybody in here said...